Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Cody, the only pastor here today because our other two pastors are in Green Bay. What a great place to be, right? Green Bay, and they are at the district's conference. We'll talk about that in a moment. So I've got the duty of doing announcements and all that stuff, so I gotta, I'm not used to doing this. All right, here we go. So just a couple announcements. We have no Sunday school happening today, which is fine because you're here and uh, the kids are here. That's great. So no Sunday school. We also have our fishing outing coming up here this coming Saturday. So you've got a couple options. We've got this fishing outing. We've got maps there. It's Horseshoe Lake. Just go out past Cumberland, Comstock, and then you'll see that's where we're going to be fishing. If you want to join us, all the stuff will be provided for you. You don't have to have tip-ups or gear, but it will be kind of cold, so dress appropriately. We'll have some food there and some probably get a fire going to keep kids warm. So it's a free fishing weekend if you don't have a fishing license, which most of us you pro probably do. But if you don't, you can come fishing. So enjoy. We usually catch a lot of bluegills, crappie, and bass, and a variety of probably some snaky northern, ugh, the little ones. Also this Saturday, so we've got that going on, but we also have Ruby's Pantry. Ruby's Pantry, I'll be at that instead of the fishing thing. Ruby's Pantry is a great opportunity to serve. We meet at 7 in the morning over at Living Water Church in Cameron there, and we park right across the street. Be careful crossing that. We park right across the street there at the funeral home. So from 7, and usually we end about, I would say, 9.30 or so. So if you want to join us for that, we hand out food, and it's a great time. I encourage you to join us for that. I think that's all the announcements we have. All right. Each week we like to celebrate something that the Lord has been doing either here at the church, sometimes in the county, sometimes what we're a part of doing. Well, I just want to share a little bit about District's Conference. And there's a few pictures coming up here of District's Conference. So right now there's, oh, I think it's like, I don't know the exact number, but three and a half thousand to 4,000 students are gathered. In fact, they grew so big that they had to move it from the normal place they were at to the, what I used to call the Brown County Arena, that's where, it, but now it's called the Rush Center, I think it's called that, right across from Lambeau Field there. And there's a variety of students and the leaders there, and I've heard some great reports already. And we, we are so blessed to have, in my opinion, the greatest youth group in all of Northwest Wisconsin. We truly do. And Tony does so much, and so many of the volunteer leaders are there serving, caring, loving students, and this is a great time where students make great commitments to the Lord and to each other. So we want to celebrate what, what's going on there. Some huge things are, are happening in their lives. So let's just take a moment and pray. And uh, yeah, happiness. All right, let's take a moment and just pray for the youth as they kind of finalize what's going on there. Today they leave around noon or so and trek back home. So let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we do thank you for just that you have given us this building, this building next door that we have to just care for students, youth, children. So much happens during Sunday school. So much happens at Awana. So much happens on Wednesday nights. And even beyond that, I know that Tony meets with students for breakfast at times, meets with families. There's so much that happens in the youth. And we thank you for Pastor Tony and Pastor Aaron and their investment into our families. And Lord, we just pray a special blessing over the youth right now who are in Green Bay. We ask that you just allow your spirit to just truly penetrate their hearts so they would be following you with total surrender. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I love stories. In fact, I read a lot. If you haven't seen my library when kids 
that's what I just call it. When kids walk to my office, they call it the library because I have so many books. In fact, often I'll read sometimes technical books. I just finished a book on long-range long shooting, or I'm reading another technical book on classical music to get my brain thinking about why, why are all these, I got so many questions, so I'm just reading a book about it. But then I also read books on stories, people's lives, biographies. I just, I love reading stories. What we're going to do for the next year and a half is read the greatest story ever given, the life of Jesus. And we're going to go through the Gospel of Mark. It's going to be a story of drama, a story of failures, a story of hope, a story of confusion, and truly a story of life. And I'm excited to go through the book of Mark with you. It's going to be wonderful. So before we even begin, let's just take a moment and pray. You're thinking, wow, we prayed, this is going to be a third time praying. It's good to pray. So let's just pray and prepare our hearts. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is true, it is faithful, it is good. And I thank you for this adventure we're going to go on. We're going to go through the book of Mark. It's going to take about a year and a half to go through it. Some days we're going to go through just one verse. In fact, later on we're going to cover one chapter just on a Sunday. We're going to go at different speeds. And Lord, I'm so glad that your word is living. It's divine. We're not just reading some book like I read. I read a lot of books. But this one's alive. This one's divine. And it's going to touch our hearts like no other book can. So Lord, on the onset, I pray that you would help us prepare our hearts as we get ready to go on this great adventure, reading and hearing about the greatest story. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so grab your Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible, we've got a Bible in front of you. If you're in the front row, we've got it underneath you in the chairs there. So grab a Bible. I encourage you to get. In fact, I would encourage you, I know some of you are, are hip and cool and you got your phones. I would encourage you to get a physical paper Bible. It's great to have those. So grab your Bible. And let's go to the Gospel according to Mark. The Gospel according to Mark. I'm just going to cover three questions. We're going to talk about the writing, and then we're going to talk about Mark himself, and then we're going to talk about what's the purpose of this Gospel. The Gospel according to Mark. What's in this writing? Notice if you've got your Bibles, if you have paper, I don't know if your phones do this or not, but sometimes they give headings. <clears throat> like my Bible says here, in our old fancy Bible up here, I'm going to bend over here, it says, the gospel according to St. Mark. Ooh, that's even a special title there. So the gospel according to Mark. I've got a picture up here. <clears throat> the gospel according to Mark. I want to talk about what a gospel is within the Bible. What we have in our holy scriptures is a variety of books, 66 books that map out the story of God's great redemption, which all proclaim the goodness and the glory of God. And here we have, within the Holy Scriptures, take a look at this book. We've shown this picture a couple times. We've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, if you want, go to the beginning of your Bible. Just, it's an easy page to find. It's the first page there. You'll see the table of contents. Within the Bible, in these 66 books, we've got 39 books in the Old Testament, the first five are the law, the Torah. We've got the law of Moses there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
those are set aside as the law. In fact, as you go through the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, often they'll talk about either God's law as in the whole total of Scripture or sometimes it's God's law as in the Torah, the first five books. And that's usually noted by the editors with a capital L for law. So we've got the, the first five books there. Then we've got a lot of historical books. We've gone through the timeline. We've talked about that. We'll talk a little about the, uh, the New Testament timeline next week. We've got that. We've got a lot of poetry. And then we've got in the Old Testament, if you see there, we've got all the prophets are kind of put at the end there. We've got major prophets, major only because not they're more important than the minors, but major because they, they're huge tomes, they're great volumes of work. Isaiah has 66 chapters, huge, compared to the minor prophets, very small in writing. Both prophets have equal weight of importance. But then you've got the New Testament there. The New Testament is broken up, kind of like we've got the Old Testament, in the different types of writing. The first four, as you see there, are called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll talk about that here later and more next week. The first four are Gospels. Those are the story there, biography of Jesus. Then we've got the book of Acts. The book of Acts lays out the history of the church, the early church. In fact, we'll see the map that we used in James next Sunday just mapping out where the other books line up in the book of Acts there. Then we've got a lot of Pauline epistles and letters and writings there. And then you've got some other letters and then the prophetic literature at the end, the book of Revelation. So that's kind of the layout of where we're at there in case you don't know the structure of the Bible. The gospel is a literary genre within the Bible. It's one of the gospels. There's four of them. So let's talk about the word gospel. Here is, the uh, next slide is this Greek word, euangelion, very big fancy word. There's another word you can use for hangman. You'll win no matter what. No one will get it. Euangelion means good news or gospel. Euangelion is this great message in Scripture. It's the good news. It's the gospel or what we call, so if you notice in your Bible, it was the gospel according to Mark or the gospel according so it's the good news according to Matthew, the good news according to Mark, the good news according to Luke or John. But there are three different ways this word is used in the New Testament. Evangelion, gospel, is used in three different ways. Let me talk about gospel here in a moment, in, in this section here. Number one, gospel is used in propositional statements. Often we see this with Paul. Gospel is the good news found in statements about salvation God has provided through Jesus Christ. So Paul uses these gospel statements, these, these statements that he uses to explain the gospel. For instance, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. It's the power of God that brings salvation. So here is the gospel, the euangelion, this good news in this great statement. Or one of my favorites, 2 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Christ died for our sins. Great five words is a summary of the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Propositional statements. So another way, though, that gospel is used is preaching salvation. Sometimes in the Old Testament when the word gospel shows up, it's not a propositional statement, but it's talking about preaching the good news. 
gospel is the good news which is the message to be shared and requires a response. I'm a gospel preacher. We have the gospel message that needs to be shared. So that's another way that the word gospel, good news, euangelion, is used. So propositional statements, preaching salvation, and the third one, personal stories, the gospel. It's not just statements, but it is the greatest story, and we have those in four story accounts, four gospels. A gospel is a literary genre within the Bible sharing the good news of the life of Jesus. We have four great gospels, historically accurate, very true, that talk about the story of Jesus, personal stories. So the first four books of the New Testament are called gospels, narratives, stories of his life. One story, many dimensions from four witnesses. So it's the same story, but different angles, different aspects of it. Like different artists, representation of the same subject using different styles, different audiences. We're going to learn this as we go through this. We're going to see that Mark has a specific audience he's talking to. Compared to Matthew, he's got a very different audience he's talking to and describing different things about the life of Jesus. Different points of view. The Gospels paint for us four faithful depictions, distinctive portraits of the same Jesus. Four stories, same Jesus. Each Gospel tells the same story, same historical reality, yet not with act, actually the same words at times because of the author's intentions. In fact, it's interesting to note that if you see in our Bibles, the Gospel according to the authors didn't write that, except Mark is the only one that uses the word gospel. He's the only one that uses the word gospel to label what he's writing about. And next Sunday, we'll talk more about how this has came about. We're going to talk about this big phrase called the synoptic gospels. What's that all about? We'll kind of get a feel for what that is. So this is a gospel story, not a propositional statement, not just preaching the gospel but it's personal story about Jesus Christ. So that's what a gospel is. Next, who is Mark? Jesus walked this earth, lived a life of obedience all the way to the cross, died for our sins, totally dead. But then he arose, amen? And that is the great part of the cross story the cross event his resurrection and then he ascended and when he ascended guess what happened the disciples and the eyewitness accounts they all were excited about this we're like we need to tell stories about jesus so right away we see this in the book of acts the people were very excited about jesus and telling these stories about christ and they began spreading the good news the gospel of jesus christ all around, the message was being told and being preached. And we read about this in the book of Acts. And then you come to this person who's named John Mark. So I wrote this down for you. John Mark was one of these who heard the gospel story and believed the gospel message. He was a friend of Paul and heard many stories from Peter's eyewitness account as seen in Acts chapter 10 through 12. We see this. John Mark, we see this person talked about. In fact, if you, if you get a moment, take a look at Acts chapter 12, the end there. It says this, 
When Barnabas and Saul, this is Acts 12, 25, had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So here we've got this person, John Mark, who we call Mark. So time goes on. Stories are being told. The church is growing. We see this in the book of Acts, chapters 1 through 8. There's this great, or 1 through 7, the church is growing. Then persecution comes in chapter 8. And then the church grows in a different dimension. All this is happening. But soon, a few decades pass, and the eyewitnesses of Jesus feeding the 5,000, of Jesus healing the sick, of Jesus casting out demons, these eyewitnesses, People who saw this, they're passing away. They're getting old. And the good news, the gospel message, needed to be recorded in a different way. It needed to be written down. It was, they were telling the story, they were talking about, next now the story had to be documented in written form. So the church, Peter, and John Mark knew that this had to be done. So it's possible, there to, if you look at church history, I've got a couple books that talk about it's very possible around the time Peter was about to die around the time of Peter's death Mark began writing down Peter's eyewitness accounts and teachings about Jesus so Peter who truly saw and experienced a variety of things through Jesus more than the other disciples did Peter's about to die so Mark is going to say you know what we need to write these stories down And we get this conclusion represented in the structure of the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark largely consists of the preaching style of Peter. It's seen in the parallels of Acts chapter 10. So take a look at this. I just took a picture out of one of my introduction to the New Testament. It's interesting how the way Peter laid out the Gospel story message as he preached the Gospel, his style in Acts chapter 10 is almost identical in how Mark lays out the gospel, the story, the life, the narrative of Christ. Everything kind of lines up in that kind of format. Or take a look at this. This is from the ESV Study Bible. The Apostle Peter passed on reports of the words and deeds of Jesus to his attendant, John Mark who wrote this gospel for the wider church as a record of Peter's apostolic testimony. So Peter lived it, he's preaching it, John Mark comes to Christ, he's a Christian, he's a follower, he's a believer, and now they're like, we need to write this down. And Mark begins to do that. So now let me just pause. You might be thinking, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Mark wasn't there. He probably didn't see this stuff. He was not an eyewitness He was not an apostle, thus his account is not trustworthy. You might be thinking that. Let me give you an example. I was not alive during World War II. Surprise to some of you, okay? I'm not that old. I'm pretty young. I was not alive during World War II at all. I was not an eyewitness, although my account of World War II pretty accurate. Let me give you an example. These are my handwritten notes of when I sat with my grandpa Bill as he told me stories of World War II. This one's on an envelope that I licked and sealed so it wouldn't fall apart. 
I, I have written here, we landed in Naples. He's in the 10th Mountain Division. Then took the ship. I saw a guy catch a fish and eat it right there. Didn't even cook it. He was so hungry. Locals in Naples dug through the garbage looking for food. He knew it was going to be a desperate time. These are my handwritten accounts. Remember these ledger things that were pretty long? We'd write all the stuff down. These are just a few of my handwritten accounts of my grandpa's stories from World War II. Though I wasn't there during World War II, I was not an eyewitness of those accounts. Through my grandfather, what I wrote down was true, authentic, and real. Handwritten stories of him after the war was over. He got to get in a Jeep because he was a sergeant. They called him Sergeant Gray. He jumped in the Jeep and took a captain and someone else, and they toured around Europe. I've got all those handwritten things. I've got a couple heirlooms that he gave me. I got this from the Nuremberg. I've got some stuff at my house. Though I wasn't there, oh, I've got the stories. And they're real, true. Just as Peter's eyewitness accounts and stories shaped Mark's story of Jesus, so did my grandfather's eyewitness account and the stories shape my story of World War II. You know what? I wasn't there, but I can tell you what happened based upon my interaction with my grandfather. The same as with Mark. He wasn't there. Oh, but Peter truly was there. And Mark began to write Peter's account. Mark acted as a scribe for Peter's account that gives a faithful perspective of Peter's advantage point. Because you can go to maybe some local university and be like, oh, this gospel, Mark. He wasn't even there. How can he write about it? Oh, it's a faithful, true account. In fact, what we have in our scripture is faithful and true. Here's another note from the NIV Study Bible. Although there are no direct internal evidence of authorship saying that it was Mark, it was unanimously testimony in the early church that this gospel is written by John Mark. John also called Mark. So here we have this great story, this great written account of Mark. Even though he wasn't there, he faithfully wrote the stories that he heard, that he grew up hearing about, that Peter, he was kind of his attendant, hearing all this stuff, he began to write this down. And again, next Sunday we're going to talk more about the Gospel of Mark and how it fits with the other three Gospels and what we have called the Synoptic Gospels. Let's now talk about what is the focus of the Gospel of Mark. Some books, it's hard to know what the main purpose is about. For me, if I pick up a manual on a chainsaw, I know what it's about. Got a picture of a chainsaw there. It's going to tell me what kind of fuel to use, what kind of oil, how to be safe, all these kind of things. It's, it's easy to know. But sometimes the author can conceal what the message is about. And the theme comes out in a variety of stories, in a variety of ways. And it's kind of hard to tell what this is about. Finding the main idea sometimes requires the reader to identify the main topic, purpose, and then learn from what that is about what the author is trying to intend. For instance, let me give you a few examples and see if you can tell. Just by the first sentence of each of these stories here. Here's the first one. Call me Ishmael. What's that about? Maybe this is a book on what to name your kids, right? I don't know. Anybody know what this is from? 
Anyone? Moby Dick, all right, all right, there's the picture of Moby Dick. When you read that first sentence, you might, uh, this, this is about a whale? I have no idea what this is about. So the author in the first sentence there, he has no idea. You know, Herman had, you know, so write it down. Call me, okay, here's the next one. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. This is written about 2020, right? No, just kidding, all right? Some, is, have, anybody know what this is from? Tale of Two Cities, okay? We know the title, but how many have read it? I haven't even read it. No, no, Charles Dickens. Yeah, famous one, but by the first statement, you can kind of get a feel like, okay, it's the best time, worst time. Okay, we're talking about France and London, all the chaos going on there. Okay, the next one. All children grow up. Oh, all children except one grow up. This was a story about me. Just kidding, all right? My mom wrote that, just kidding, you know? Does anybody know what this one is? Yes, Peter Pan. But by the first one, you're like, okay, so he's giving you kind of that first sentence. Might be like, okay, I kind of know what he's talking about. All right, the next one's one of my favorites. This is George. He lived in Abyssinia. Some of you are already laughing because you know. How many of you have read this to your kids or grandkids, right? Curious George. Or, oh, I, sometimes when I read this to my kids, I would laugh so hard I'd have to just like take a break from reading it. It's just so funny. All right. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund and Lucy. I should try to say it with a British accent, but I just, I can't do that. Anybody know what that is? Narnia, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Or this one. Now some authors don't conceal at all what this is going to be about. They just let you know right off the bat, this is what this is going to be about. Would anybody have a clue of what this story is going to be about? the invisible man here's a picture which i'm surprised even put a picture he's invisible the cover should be black right i don't know i'm blank they're not being cryptic at all so let's take your bibles and go to the first sentence of the gospel according to mark let's see if he conceals anything let's see in the first sentence if we can get a feel for what this is about mark chapter 1 verse 1 the beginning of the good news, again, here's that Greek word euangelion, the beginning of the gospel, good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. There is no question to what Mark is writing about. Even within his first sentence, he's not concealing anything. He's letting everyone know, I'm going to tell you the good news. I'm going to tell you the gospel about Jesus Christ, about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The gospel of Mark is a story about Jesus. He wanted to let them know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And we're going to see, I, Mark is going to be great to go through. We're going to see this in a variety of ways. The inauguration of the kingdom of God the healing of the sick, the feeding of the hungry, the casting out demons, the defeat of Satan. We're going to read about some of these things. He's growing to fame. He's going to grow to such fame and he's going to do some amazing things and people are going to start connecting the dots. But then it's going to be this weird aspect in Mark where Jesus says, don't tell anyone. This messianic secret. So his growth to fame, but then we're going to see chapter 11, 12, rejection coming. Fame to rejection. His serving, his suffering, his 
raising people from the dead, miracles, authority, all within this. Mark is saying, guess what? I'm going to tell you this good news, this great gospel message of Jesus the Messiah. And ultimately, we're going to end with his death and resurrection. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to walk through the gospel of Mark. And two questions primarily I'm going to be asking in our study in the next year and a half follows this. The two questions we'll look at, messiahship and discipleship. Messiahship and discipleship. The first question would be this. Who really is Jesus? In fact, I wish... So I've got friends who don't believe in the Bible. I'm going to try to convince them to come to church and visit us. I've got friends who don't believe these gospel accounts were real and accurate. We're going to go through this. And we're going to test and ask this question, who really is Jesus? Mark makes it clear. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And you need to realize who Jesus is and who you are in His story in the plan of redemption so number one we're going to be asking the question who is jesus because that's what mark wants us to know this is the gospel account the gospel story the good news of jesus the messiah and the other question that we'll be addressing from the pages of this gospel the first one is who really is jesus the next one is who really are his followers Mark makes it clear what discipleship is through calling, through trials, and mission. And we need to experience Him as the crucified Messiah, the risen Savior, and follow Him as loving Lord. And for our study, as we go through the book of Mark, what I've titled this whole series, this whole next year, we're going to call it With Christ and the School of Discipleship with Christ and the school of discipleship. We're going to learn about what his followers are like and how they fail, how they get confused, how they blunder, how they do things wrong. Kind of sounds like us, right? But yet Jesus has this great love for them, helping them, showing them, correcting them. Right away in chapter 1, we see this great calling. All the way up to chapter 8, this is intense stuff. In the chapter 10, it's going to be beautiful. How Jesus shares his grace and love to blundering disciples like you and I. We will see this as they walk in faith, learning what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. And honestly, one of the reasons I've chosen to do the book of Mark right now is this. American Christianity is at a very crucial point, I believe, in church history. What we've gone through the past two years, traumatic for any kind of culture, people, whatever, you know, now it comes down to this. Is Jesus truly who he is? Oh, he is. But number two, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it look like? Because some of you might think, oh, I'm a Christian. One time I rose my hand, I trusted Jesus in my heart. Oh, I follow Jesus. After these two last years, in the next five years, American Christianity is at a very volatile point. Will we stand truly for what it means to be a disciple? 
And I want to learn. Don't you? I want to learn from this great gospel with Christ in the school of discipleship. What is the true meaning of following Jesus? What does it mean to be his disciple? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? I want to have tangible ways to see that. And we're going to see that in the Gospel of Mark. The beginning of the Gospel, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Because if He truly is your Savior, if He truly is your Lord, what is that going to look like in our lives? The call to Christian discipleship is a call to follow the Master. The way of discipleship is also, as we're going to see this, chapter 8 is kind of the main chapter that a lot of Mark kind of boils down to what truly is a disciple and the cost of being a disciple. And we must, as we look at who Jesus is, and we look at who we are, we must respond to this good news. We must respond to the message of Jesus. So I'm excited. For a year and a half, we're going to walk through this. I'm going to, I've already been learning stuff as I've been going through studying this. I've learned stuff. When I, that one, of, one of the reasons I read books is to learn. Like I'm reading, I'm reading a book on classical music. I'm not going to be a classical music person, but I just want to learn stuff. I'm learning things already about instruments and things. I never knew that about that. The French horn, it's really not French. Or the English horn isn't really English. Oh, I didn't know that. It's not even a horn. It's a woodwind thing. All these things I'm learning. When we go through the greatest story, we're going to learn things about Jesus. Why did he heal? Why did he want to keep it a secret? Why did he treat certain people different ways? Why is that? Why was he so firm with religious people? Guess what? We're the religious people of the day. We're going to look through that. We're also going to look through the Gospel of Mark learning. What does it mean to follow him? I'm excited about that. And a great way for us to do that today as we begin this adventure through the great story is take communion together. One way to respond is to do what Jesus said. Do this in remembrance of me. Taking communion is a way to celebrate the beauty of Jesus. What he has done for you and I. He rescued us. He saved us. And we do this as an outward expression, a tangible way to taste it and see and feel, yes, He saved me. And these little wafers, they're just bread. They're nothing fancy innate within them. But they're a way to remember. They're just signs, a tangible way of the expression of the Gospel. This grape juice that we have here, it's just grape juice, nothing fancy within it. But it's a way to remember of the great blood that was shed for us. So the worship team's going to come up. And I've got a chart. If you've got that chart available, it's going to maybe take a little bit here. This is maybe a simple way for us in the church to kind of rotate through as you come up so that way we're not a bunch of like cats running all over the place. Hopefully this will be kind of a simple way. The back group, you can come up to one of these tables here. We used to have a table back there. We'll just have it simple like this. So we have communion here. And we have at Maranatha open communion. You know, that there are some churches in 
Rice Lake that have closed communion. What does that mean? That means if you're not a member of the church, you can't do communion. Or if you don't believe their church statement, you can't do communion. In fact, there's a church I know, there's, there's probably two or three churches that they would not let me do communion with them just because that's how it is. They have a certain particular way of doing communion. You're not a Lutheran. There's only one church that would be, other Lutherans would have me do communion, but there's one Lutheran church in, in town here that say, no, you, Pastor Cody, you can't do communion with us. We are not like that. We have open communion. <clears throat> if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, saved you from your sins, if you belong to the body of Christ, if you're a Christian, celebrate with us. Enjoy the beauty of taking the bread, taking that juice to remember He died for me. But also listen to this, as we will see this in the Gospel of Mark. He didn't just die for us. We don't end there. He died for me. I must live for Him. We do this until He comes back. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the worship team is going to sing Amazing Grace. You can sing along. Most of you know the song. Come up, get your stuff, and when everyone's taken it, we will then stop and take it together. All right? Let me say a prayer before we get our communion. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the beauty of what you have done. And I want to personally thank you for the beauty of the gospel as presented in Scripture for beautiful accurate true accounts of jesus the messiah the son of god and i can't wait to learn more about you jesus but also i'm i know it's going to be hard because i'm going to learn about my failures i'm a loser sometimes in these areas i want to be more and more like you i'm more and more a disciple of jesus christ so Lord, we're going to take communion. And as we get our hearts ready, I pray that you would allow us to celebrate your goodness. In Jesus' name. Alright, so come on up. We have gluten-free right here in this red bowl. If you want to be gluten-free, get your stuff and then we'll take it together at the end.
This is the greatest story that we who were totally lost have been saved. God's grace is so good to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord, the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and when he given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat and drink the bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes This is a great story. Within this volume of 66 different books, we're to enter into the book of Mark. Oh, it's going to be so great. Mark has what some authors 
some commentaries say, so much action and drama. There's these words that just go all over the place. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to hear the truth of Jesus. It was written by Mark, who wasn't there, but he heard the stories. And he lived that in his life. Handed down from Peter and the other witnesses around him. Just as I have some amazing stories about World War II that are part of my life. And some of you know some of my stories about my life and how my grandfather was saved in the trenches as he personally took out a Nazi. Oh, I have all that written down and more. Some of you vets should take a look at some of those accounts. Hibbert, we should read them. They're amazing. But some of you vets should write down your stories. Some of you grandparents should tell your gospel story in a handwritten account for your grandkids. Maybe instead of reading a story this year, you're going to write a story. A gospel, like this one says, the gospel according to St. Mark. Maybe, Al, you need to write down the gospel according to Al. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. Maybe, Jake, you need to do that. Maybe, Orrin, you need to do that. Maybe, Mary, you got to write down the stories of the beauty of Jesus Christ because he is alive, amen? And this is going to be a great study. So I encourage you to do a couple things. Number one, get a Bible. Bring a Bible to church, and that can be your book, your Bible of Mark. Okay, you're going to bring a pencil. I like pencils. You can bring a pen. And you can underline things, circle things as we go through the study. Also, maybe bring a notebook every Sunday. Label it the book of Mark. My study through Mark. We've done that through Ephesians. We did that through Christ in the Old Testament. And this will be our study as we look at who Jesus is and who we are. You can just title it with Christ and the School of Discipleship. I'm excited to go to school, to go to class every Sunday with you, right? And guess what? We're going to have homework too because it's with Christ in the school of discipleship. Christ has this radical call to us to go out and let people know about the gospel. Let's close. Stand if you can join us in the last few songs.
Oh, no. 
before you leave, I want to remind you it's Communion Sunday. On Communion Sunday, we as a church have a benevolence basket in the back, and that's where we collect funds for people in need. During the winter season, sometimes people have needs. One time we helped someone with a furnace and cared for people. So if you feel the Lord putting in your heart, it's right there above where our offering thing is. Also we have, if you could just right now grab your little empty cup that you have. We've got a trash right over there and some trash containers. You can throw those away so they're not around for next service. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a great week. God bless you and we'll see you next week.